passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well... If it isn't the land of opportunity. But you see, to me, this place seems more like the land of handouts. Well, that all changes. I'm here now and I get all the opportunities. I will have the opportunity to put to sleep your beloved Daniel Bryan. I will be the man that defangs the Viper, Randy Orton. And I will emasculate and decimate a J. Style. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. It is time for Rewind to Smackdown. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting. Wei, I have a feeling this is going to be a much easier show to discuss than Monday night's edition of Raw. I'm forecasting, but that's my assumption. How are you? I'm well. I'm pretty well. And I think your uh, forecast, you know what? You should be a, a, a psychic. A, a psychic? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. I thought I did some decent forecasting in my update on Tuesday of possible moves. I didn't bat a thousand, but I did not have prior knowledge of all the talent that was moving to SmackDown. But I think if you read that on Tuesday, I, I think I had a pretty I had a pretty decent percentage of, of hits who did that you made get? it. Well, someone who clearly didn't read my update today is way. Uh I predicted I thought Asuka made a lot of sense. I said Anderson, Gallows, um, as I'm trying to uh, recap now. Jeff Hardy, but that, I don't, I think everyone assumed that one. Uh, what were the ones I missed on? I thought Elias, they may move over. And who else? I thought Big Cass was going to show up. Oh, you have to go back and watch it. Okay. I, were there any that, that surprised you on, on Tuesday night of ones that uh, went on? Yeah. I mean, there were probably quite a few that were uh, very surprising. Yeah, uh, I was actually quite surprised at Samoa Joe moving uh, since they've already teased that program with Roman. Um, I think, mm, who else? Um, you know, I, I was, this is not like the big shocker at the end of this show, but when it happened, I was kind of surprised they moved 
Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville because I really thought they were going to keep them separate from pa- from Paige and almost put Natalia into that role with them to kind of act out the whole plan they had with Paige, who would be a working member of that group and then was reduced to being a manager. Uh, so given that they just teased the Ronda stuff, I thought they would at least get a tag match out of that down the road or at least have some involvement with Natalia. So maybe I was a little surprised by that one. And on a women's division on SmackDown that's so loaded, I wonder where those two women are going to land. Yeah, yeah. I, I That one doesn't surprise me as much, I suppose, because of, of the Riot Squad being over there and um, I think the two of them kind of overlapping one another. Uh, maybe another one that does did surprise me was R-Truth, who I didn't even know was there oh i'll tell you the one that that i got the most flack for when they came back from break i thought sinkara had been drafted over to smackdown so i i tweeted out that sinkara to smackdown and then in brackets did anyone realize he was on raw and the answer was i did not realize the man was on smackdown to begin with Mm. i had no clue this guy's been on smackdown he was he was drafted to smackdown a year ago right yeah yeah. So he was not, uh, he was just there. He was just showing up for work. Yep. Well, I, I, if you had put a gun to my head before this show, I would not have been able to co- confidently state what brand Sin Caro had been a part of. Hmm. Yeah. Nor, nor was our truth someone that I had really, uh, given much thought to. Mm-hmm. Is the Undertaker on a brand? No. So him and John Cena are free agents. I believe so. I believe they, they've stated that at some point in their run since the draft. Uh, but you can probably count on The Undertaker not appearing on SmackDown Live too often. I did get some notes on this draft, uh, some ideas that were thrown around, one of which I think was obvious by the end of the show, but we did report it on the site earlier, and that is that the call-up of Sanity will not include uh, Nikki Cross. Uh, she apparently, there are plans for her in NXT that they are keeping her down there for the time being. Uh, and the other one I was told was that the biggest almost, the one that I guess was the closest to coming uh, to fruition that did not was Daniel Bryan to Raw, that it was uh, discussed heavily. And I think ultimately the decision was uh, they wanted Daniel Bryan on SmackDown because he is uh, a guy they rely on for the television audience and for house show attendance. And uh, you can make the argument either way that, SmackDown may be too loaded at this point with talent that you might have wanted to spread at least some of it um, back to Raw. Not that Raw is dire straits, but in comparison, um, Tuesday is just such a loaded roster. It's insane how much talent is on this show that we talked about before of how hard it was to fit all this talent onto this show. I mean, when are you going to see some of these performers? I mean, it's not going to be weekly occurrences, I would imagine, for some big names as a two hour show. Yeah. I think that that's a really interesting question. Uh, but you know, I imagine a lot of these guys might be saved for, uh, the post tool five live dark match. Uh, some of those matches might be awesome. You know, like even somebody like a Shinsuke Nakamura, the role that he typically takes these days on SmackDown is, is that spot or somebody like an AJ styles. You might not not see everybody every single week, but that's not such a bad thing. No, it's not. You know, uh, uh, somebody like a Daniel Bryan, to have him only wrestle every other week, or somebody like an even uh, CN Almas wrestling every other week. I, I mean, it, it kind of keeps you hungry for him. Look at how NXT does it. 
It's a one-hour show. Not everybody appears uh, every single week to wrestle. They might have a promo segment or something, but it's not necessarily such a bad thing. Can you imagine looking at this roster like a decade ago that here is a WWE program with Brian Danielson, La Sombra, Claudio Castagnoli, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, okay. and and then your Kenta, who will be part of this night, but not part of this show. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Gabe would love this roster to play with. This is crazy. This, this is a roster that needs two nights. Yeah, absolutely. But, hey, we've got Jinder Mahal Monday nights, mm-hmm. who will probably be there every single Monday. You'll get plenty of him. No, no oh, off weeks. Mondays for... are going to be tough. They're yes. seriously going to be tough. Uh, but again, prove me wrong. You know, like they're, they, we're we're talking right now based on the roster that I think uh, they have. But a lot can change over the course of a year. People like a Mojo Raleigh or Baron Corbin could really prove us wrong and really step up. By the way, I did see, watch some of those uh, YouTube promos. Mojo again had a great showing on, on YouTube, talking about his uh, 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 shakeup move from SmackDown to Raw. Uh, I thought actually Mike Kanellis also had a, had a pretty good showing as well. So uh, there's a lot of talent everywhere, and and you know certainly on SmackDown it looks like a lot of the dream matches exist more on that brand. But Raw could prove me wrong. That's unfortunate though, because if you were a Raw viewer, you wouldn't even have known those guys were moved over. And doesn't that already slot them at a certain place? Like that's where they have them in mind already. And that's not to say you can't overcome a stigma, but what's your shining example of if you're a Mike Kanellis? You look at, you know, imagine hitting a Hail Mary and you get over from your position. Look at Rusev. Look at all this guy is battling just to try and, and stay over. And is he. Is he someone that's being accentuated in in many ways, or is he someone that almost seems like he's fighting against this tide? I just think it's for a Mojo Raleigh, it's just um if they don't see much in you, it's not as easy as just go out there, get over, and they'll open their eyes to you. They have to be sold on you more so than the audience being sold on you. And Certainly. it just it becomes very difficult. I hope that there's a Braun Strowman like breakout. Uh, from somebody on Raw. Maybe this will renew uh, Baron Corbin. Maybe we will see um, someone emerge from the pack that is unsuspecting. And that's why maybe in six months we'll look at somebody in a completely different light. I think Raw, you're going in with such kind of low expectation. And conversely, SmackDown, I think it's going to be viewed with such a critical eye because look at the toys you have to play with. Mm-hmm. That I think it's going to be ultra scrutinized if they do not uh, live up to that potential. So much of it, too. I mean, the rosters, I think, are a great starting point, but so much of it depends on the booking and the treatment of the characters uh, from this point forward from the staff. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll say it right now. I mean, it's been two weeks now where we've seen AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan in main events on SmackDown, and I feel like I've been underwhelmed by both of them. So just because you have great talent doesn't mean, you know, the shows themselves will be great. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, but looking looking at this roster on paper, it seems relatively tough to screw up. Um, but we'll see. All right. We're going to run through SmackDown. Uh, we'll go through 205 Live. Uh, and then I did want to check quickly about the uh, the variety story that's out about the uh, the potential of ESPN and Fox bidding together for the UFC television package, uh, which is up at the end of the year. So lots to discuss, and we will get to your feedback. But SmackDown began on Tuesday night from my favorite arena in the United States of America, the Dunkin' Donut Center in Providence, Rhode Island. 
what a better place than to start a whole new era of SmackDown than the Dunkin' Donut Center. Um, have you been there? Yes, I have. I don't. I didn't care for the coffee I once got at a Dunkin' Donuts. Never bought a donut though at Dunkin' Donuts. Just a coffee. Why is it your favorite arena? Because it's a ridiculous name for an arena. Oh, yeah. This was this was always my go to of just a ridiculous arena name where the the corporate uh, the corporate overtaking of an arena was played to just a comedic degree. The Smoothie King Center, I think, beats it though. Oh no, not the Okay, this is the test, okay? Yeah. Picture picture Jim Ross calling the main event of WrestleMania and working in the name of the arena for this man's giant championship victory. <laughs> Both would be hilarious to me. <laughs> Austin has done it at the Dunkin Donut Center. <laughs> yeah. I'll take Smoothie King Center over Dunkin Donuts, though it's not a hell of a lot better. The show began with a recap of Shinsuke Nakamura's interview from last week, which was amazingly they found a way to make this even better with the zooms on his face and dramatic music underneath. I can't tell you how much I love this character. This is my favorite character in wrestling right now, Way, and he's done so little in two weeks, but in some ways he's done more in these two weeks I'll take this over the last year he had as a baby face on SmackDown. Mm. I've loved this character. He's just like gone all in on the weirdness. And I think that's like what's always intrigued me. Uh, just watching his work from afar in Japan was to see like this guy stand out so much from the rest. I would say as a baby face, he didn't really show that. Um, he was more of, uh, I guess, just your traditional baby face who just came out, had some good matches, did the poses that the audience wanted to see here. Now, as a heel, he's more of a just somebody who he was not trying to make people like him. He's just somebody who uh, just seems to like live and breathe exactly like what, what he wants to do at, at whenever he wants. It's uh it's it's fascinating, and I think it's a lot more true to actually who the guy probably is. AJ Styles came out at the beginning of the show. Tom Phillips claimed a sellout at Dunkin' Donuts Center. You can tell a lot about a man based on their failures, AJ says, and we learned a lot about Shinsuke Nakamura. AJ was successful at Mania, but then Nakamura showed his true colors. He's not just an artist. He's a con artist. Yeah, you're you're not a fan of that, judging by the pause. No, I was just I was leaving it open for you. I there's certain lines where I suspect you had an opinion on, and I guess that was not one of them. No, I thought it was fine. He was presented with a real dream match. AJ says with Daniel Bryan last week, and Nakamura ruined that match. And he's not leaving until confronting Nakamura tonight. He wants to fight him and calls him a two faced coward, and. All I've got to say is I, I think wrestling has come a long way where the the Japanese heel is presented as a coward and we didn't get any Pearl Harbor reference here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's progress, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know if they'd be able to get away with that today. Well, Nakamura did not come out to confront him. Instead, Aiden English came out with Rusev, giant Rusev Day chant, and English started rhyming with Shinsuke, with Away, and Vekei into a freestyle about Rusev and Styles offers to fight Rusev since Nakamura doesn't have a spine. 
which would make a, a match very problematic. Man, I, I feel like Aiden English and Rusev are almost the worst people you could put in the spot. They're, they're baby faces doing a heel interruption. So, you know, I feel like this was like maybe a perfect spot. This entire main event really would have been a perfect spot to bring in a new heel from Raw. Uh, somebody like a Samoa Joe. But instead, you bring in dudes that are sometimes more over as babyfaces than both AJ and, uh, you know, more, <laughs> I guess, Daniel Bryan. So could could this not have been the, the bar's entrance? Yeah, I guess. Onto SmackDown? I guess they didn't fly to to the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Uh, yeah, it's just just such a uh, a long trip from uh, f- from where they were on Monday night in uh, Hartford. But the whole uh, like this whole Rusev thing is really like bizarre and tough to kind of decipher because some they weeks, were they were the top heels on this show. They were presented as the top heels all show long for the main event tag. Me- like they are, they do not care what the reaction is, and they're building up the Taker match. Like they're going full yeah. in now on this match with Rusev. In the heel role, where he's going to get killed by this But guy. at WrestleMania, Rusev, you can't... I don't think you can deny that Rusev was booked as a babyface. There were plenty of matches leading into the WrestleMania match where the guy was given a lot of shine. Like, that match... Like, those matches were built around Rusev getting good reactions, you know? And afterwards, like, the, I would say the reaction for Rusev is really just as strong, but they're... They're trying so hard to go the other way, and I used to think that maybe they're they're going for like the Daniel Bryan push, but this is not even. I don't even get that sense anymore. I just don't even know what to think. Period. Um, from from, from you know the booking of those characters here. I, by the end of it all, like you're not only hurting Rusev, but you're hurting people like AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. You're diminishing their babyface reactions because the guys on the other side, people don't really want to see them beat. Yeah, they. And they also presented Rusev as just a joke here. Like, the match was over in seconds where Styles rolled into the calf crusher. And before Rusev could tap, Aiden just jumped in for the DQ in 27 seconds. They double teamed him. Daniel Bryan ran down for the save and ran off Rusev and Aiden English. And that would later set up our main event tag match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, the insinuation is that Rusev was about to lose to AJ in about one minute. Uh, so I guess it made him look weak. Um, and you know, Daniel Bryan coming out here, I mean, after what, it's been like a month, not even three weeks, three, four weeks. It really feels like Daniel Bryan is just a regular member of the roster. And I'm guessing, you know, partially that's because that's what he actually wants. But, you know, you and I were talking about on the day that he was announced that he was going to come back. Oh, maybe they'll, you know, just use him for like big shows, maybe like WrestleMania, maybe he'll do a SummerSlam. And, like, you'll really build to it because you've got another Brock Lesnar on your hands. Uh, that's not really the case. You know, Daniel Bryan has kind of become, a again, a regular member of the show. It's probably what he wants. Um, but I do feel like they're somewhat wasting a bit of an opportunity to treat him like something more special. Yeah, I, I don't think it's... Um, I, don't, I don't think it's, you know... Uh, not salvageable or anything. I feel that he's got such a an array of an oppo- of, a, of opponents that he's going to have some tremendous matches with all these people. They are keeping the AJ Styles match as kind of this elusive dream match because you really didn't get it last week. So they're kind of keeping him somewhat linked to the championship. But before we get to the end of the show, we will see. Well, uh, listen, the big the big detour he will be going through. You and I are talking about 
whether or not they'll hold this Miz off match until SummerSlam. Um, they're doing it when? Like a month from now? Well, they're doing it on the European tour. Yeah. They're, they're doing it on three different shows. So, I mean, those aren't televised matches. But um, to me, the Miz feud, um, like, I think that is going to be a really good program for Brian because of the how they've built it up and of course how is. Miz is going to cut promos. I just was debating, like, are you going to wait four months to do this match? That's a long time to wait. But uh, clearly he's got another program now with Big Cass in the interim. Yeah, um, it just feels like they're going to burn through so much of this, and I just don't want to look back six months from now thinking, you know, I mean, this guy's not that big of a deal. Because remember the first time he came back? How, like, uh, I don't know, he had that IC title run, or at least was about to have that IC title run, and really that was, like, his ceiling. I, I think, like, after three years away, Daniel Bryan should be that much bigger. And I don't know, I'm looking at the trajectory here after, like, two weeks. I mean, I'm a little bit concerned. Well, as I was told by one person that keeping him on SmackDown was, you know, they see him as as an important part of SmackDown, like enough that they didn't want to move him to Raw. Like he's that important to SmackDown. So it's not as though it's not as though they're viewing this guy as somebody that is just, you know, a guy in the middle of the pack. Like he is enough that they didn't want to take him off SmackDown for fear that it might affect SmackDown's live events. So I think he's going to be in a considerable role on SmackDown, if not a a very top one, at least close to the top. Uh, Shane McMahon's in his office, and in the background, we have those posters that they have up. They are putting out the Book of Booty, a book about the New Day. Well, great. Awesome. You could put that on the shelf next to uh, Lion's Pride by Chris Charlton or... uh... The Brian Pillman book. The uh, funny thing is, I'm sure a book about the New Day would be really interesting to talk about these three and where their careers were before, this this gimmick that came together, what it was originally presented as, how the audience responded to it, and what it grew into. But I just can't fathom being on a subway or in a public space reading this book. I imagine they're not pr- publishing that book for people to read on the subway. Um I'm guessing it's for uh, children and uh, people, you know, who actually eat the cereal. Oh, it, you're th- thinking it might be like a children's book. I thought this was going to be one of like their WWE releases, like their normal books that they put out. How many pages do you, th- do you think the Book of Booty would be? Well, it depends. If it's going to be a biography on these three, it, it could be. You could write a book on these. Is three. it actually a biography? I don't know. I didn't even think of it being a children's book until you brought that up, and that's. Probably maybe what they're doing. I don't maybe know. It's a coloring. I don't know how. Maybe, you, yeah, it's either a coloring book or it's their opus. We'll find out Should, when it comes. Yeah, uh, or like okay. a scratch and sniff. You've you forced me now to uh, to look this up. I just don't see how you would do an autobiography on three people at once. I think like Flair and Ric Flair and Charlotte kind of made sense. I don't know. I don't know what the market is for a triple autobiography. Is it even auto at that point? Okay, I've I've found it. Okay, so we have the Book of Booty. Shake it, love it, never be it. From WWE's The New Day. It is, first of all, uh, you can get it on hardcover or Kindle. The New Day want you to feel the power, and now you can with the Book of Booty. From the purveyors of positivity themselves, each chapter of this handy guide will help you embrace the New Day way of life. 
even if you're feeling booty. And who, 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 who has never felt booty? You'll be clapping, gyrating, and radiating positivity like the New Day themselves. Fans will learn the New Day's official definition of booty and the telltale signs that you or a loved one might be booty. How to twerk like a man. What your spirit animal says about you. Okay, enough. How to... I don't care. Let's, let's move on. Okay, well, they had more here, including your uh, pro tip to eat your bootios every morning. So this is not an autobiography. This looks like a awful um, no mo- it's, mock it, self-help book. What, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's fun if you're a fan of all that stuff. Uh, I, would, I would just be wary of, like, if I was using my parents' credit cards to have the book of booty appear on the credit card bill. So, um, you know, just ex- just a, a, a word of caution to uh, any children out there. I can't imagine this, this joke continuing beyond page three. But if someone reads this and wants Dude, to write a, re- a book review, we will post this. I couldn't imagine this gimmick lasting beyond week three. Look at where we are. It's like it's well, maybe, probably one of their biggest money makers. Dude, this thing is $29 Canadian. Well, do you want to change your life or not? Um, I guess not. Not for $29. Let us get back to the show. The Book of Booty, folks. This is why I shouldn't be paying attention to what's in the background of a Shane McMahon scene. Paige walks in and wishes Shane a happy shakeup. This is like a, a holiday. She quotes the immortal Teddy Long by making a tag match tonight with Rusev and Aiden English against AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. And Shane thinks that Paige has has just booked the G1. He is in just awe of this. Wow. Two straight weeks. Two great main events. And mentions how she made the trade to bring The Miz over here to SmackDown Live. And that was the end of Paige tonight. No no sign of this woman throughout the entire show. Well, it wasn't the complete end because before she finished this segment, she proceeded oh. to do her Teddy Long impression. Um, this was not a good um, segment. No, not off to a good start with Paige. But I'll tell you, by the end of this show, everybody is singing Paige's praises as, <laughs> as the greatest GM of all time. Yep, she... Uh... She took a page out of the 2002 draft when SmackDown was all loaded up. Oh, is that one? So, is, do you think that that one will make it into the pun appreciation thread on the forum? I don't know. I feel a I feel a, a sense of pressure now. Mm. Now that there's a thread monitoring this, uh, you know, Shane has also quietly um, stepped back into his role as full time commissioner. Remember, like several weeks before, like the Brian thing, he said that he was going to take a leave of absence full time. No, he's not absent anymore. Right. He's present. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's recovering from his, uh, his health scare. Well, yeah, I guess he's totally fine. Or at least, like, as fine as could be, you know, to appear every single week on TV. What a strange story. What a very strange story that they even brought that to light. Well, I'm guessing he's, he's a tough man, and maybe it wasn't the type of diverticulitis that was as crippling as, you know, others. I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna ne- next time I get my checkup, I'm gonna ask my doctor what's the good kind of diverticulitis that I want, and he's gonna look at me like I'm an idiot. He'll say the Shane McMahon kind, of course. Yes, yes, Shane. Okay, I'm. I want the diverticulitis where I can do a coast to coast drop kick, landing on my spine and jarring my kidneys. That's the diverticulitis I want, so that I can still have a nice quality of life. Speaking of WrestleMania, 
the best part of WrestleMania being over is the end of the whatever god-awful theme song it is that year. So I thought it was out of my life. But we get one more play of Celebrate by Kid Rock. And the only celebrating I was doing was when this ended, praying that there are no more did-you-know facts with this bumper music to plug the WrestleMania attendance figure. Well, wait till you see what we get for SummerSlam, uh, you know, all these other great shows. Well, I just feel Celebrate is at the bottom of my list. I will take the green light because I am ready to go as far away from Kid Rock oh as God. possible. You know what? To to even things out a little. I did watch most of the Hall of Fame. And Kid Rock had had like a fine speech. He came out. The guy was genuinely respectful to all these performers and knew he had no business being up here, which I think are the best celebrity inductions, the ones who are equally embarrassed that they're being uh, honored on the same stage where these other men and women are have worked uh, and take it so seriously. And he had a you know nice quick speech, and he dedicated his induction to Josie. Well, that's nice. Cool. It was nice. He also took a he also took a shot at Democrats, which got a nice round of applause. But then he preached how everyone needs to just come together and stop fighting. So it was a nice message. Shelton Benjamin came out, and he tweeted on Monday night that Chad Gable has big things in his future. But then he informed us that his account was hacked. He would never have written that. (laughs) He never needed Chad Gable. Gable needed him. And he needs respect. And he needs championship opportunities. So he's asked Paige for competition. I get like a a weird pleasure from watching these rushed, almost non-sequitur heel turns. Like... Shelton Benjamin, <laughs> there was who ab- probably legitimately found out his team was breaking up on the internet like everybody else. Last oh, night. of course, yeah, of course. I mean, absolutely zero indication that any of this was coming up for the for the two of them. Uh, you know, up until tomorrow, and all of a sudden he comes on SmackDown and he's told, "By the way, you're heel now." And uh, on, on one funny. of the deepest on one of the deepest rosters we've ever had on this show. Where you are, you might as well get a life preserver to try and tread water. Well, where is Shelton Benjamin going to fit in on this show? Obviously nowhere, judging by the result of this segment. Like, yeah, well, I don't know. What what is Chad Gable going to do on Raw? I was fully expecting him to show up on 205 Live tonight. Mm. I don't know. That, That was a weird tag team breakup for me. I was like... God, what is Shelton going to do on his own? Like, maybe, maybe we'll get some some shocking revelation here. But uh, those I, two could have just been paired together on Raw. Let let Shelton at least go there. My suspicion is that they have something planned for for Gable, perhaps with with a returning Jason Jordan. Uh, I think you haven't really told that story yet. Um, and Shelton, I don't really see much for, unfortunately. Maybe Chad's going to start his Gable stable. Shelton continues on, wanting his competition. Randy Orton comes out. Uh, No one here was expecting this match. Why? Because the WWE five minutes earlier had gone on Instagram to announce that Jeff Hardy was coming to SmackDown, and he's in the next match. So Orton did not follow the WWE on Instagram, so he wasn't aware of this. And then Jeff Hardy's music hit. He came out, and Randy Orton uh, won this year's Slammy Award for Least Convincing Actor as he had to shake his head, and they just did these close-ups where his instructions were, look annoyed, and Randy 
Wow. This was quite the, quite the conveyor of emotions. So Jeff Hardy just bypassed Randy and had the match with Shelton Benjamin. Uh, Orton, I guess, is still due a U.S. title shot after his winway. So I imagine we're going to eventually get to Orton and Jeff Hardy, probably a backlash. Sure. Why not? There you go. That will be the tagline for the match. Hardy got tossed to the floor. Uh, we then had a commercial break where Scott Stanford alerted us that the upcoming Canadian SmackDown dates will feature uh, both Bobby Roode and United States champion Jinder Mahal. Get your tickets now, SmackDown fans. Hardy's left knee was injured to the point he couldn't run the ropes, and Hardy then stopped uh, was stopped on the top turnbuckle, and Byron Saxton brought up how both Jeff and Shelton are experiencing a career resurgence after both had several years away from the WWE. Benjamin uh, did this cool spot where he scaled to the top, but instead of suplexing Hardy, hit him with a flying knee. Uh, Benjamin then got knocked down, took the whisper in the wind, and then there was a twist of fate, uh, which was countered with a spinning enziguri. Hardy blocked the pay dirt, twist of fate, swanton for the win. Eight minutes and 20 seconds. I thought this was a pretty good little match between two veterans. It, they seem to be putting some good momentum on a Jeff Hardy singles run here. And I would say it doesn't really look like the gender will be winning it back from him at the Saudi Arabia show now. Um, for whatever reason, like despite everything this guy has gone through in the public eye, the audience still really seems to take to Jeff Hardy as a babyface single star. Yes. So, you know, let's see how far they can take it this time. I would say Shelton, on the other hand, I think this gives you a pretty good indicator of where they see him and where his placement on the roster is going to be moving forward. Uh, I, I suppose he's just kind of in that veteran gold dust position. Yeah, and you know, with Jeff Hardy, it will, it's going to be dictated by the audience. I think in terms of where they go with him, I see him kind of slotted as a kind of similar role to Randy Orton, where they're. They're over with the audience. They have their secure spot on the show, but I don't know if they're going to go any higher than that. They'll be like high mid card. Oh yeah, there's simply too many other people on the roster. This is a really too many deep, young people. deep roster, and you know Jeff Hardy is not going to be going out there having the kind of matches with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. I mean, it's just it's a pretty high level. Um, that I think he's got he's got his role on SmackDown, but if there's a a groundswell of support, um, maybe they will go harder with him. But he's a solid upper mid card babyface on SmackDown. I think this is a good spot for him. Mm -hmm. Then we had a Miz selfie promo. He mentioned how Daniel Bryan wants to punch him in the face, and he asks Providence if they want to see that, and they all cheered. He announces, "I'm not here. I'm in Los Angeles," and he's with his wife and child, who he shows. And he's an A-lister. He deserves his own spotlight, which th this is a guy who understands the not getting buried amongst all the call-ups and the, the draft. Next week is his premiere, and he wants Daniel Bryan to never troll him again, or he's going to kick his ass. And Maurice warns him about his language in front of his three-week-old child. Good promo from The Miz. I think on SmackDown, he immediately feels like a top heel. Whereas on Raw, I mean, his ceiling really was the IC title picture. And over the past year, I don't think they even really made a, an attempt to kind of put him in there with the Brocks and the Strowmans, other than as, you know, comic relief. But on SmackDown, especially against a guy like Brian, he feels like somebody that you take a lot more seriously. And look at the dynamic on Raw. When you have Roman Reigns and 
Braun Strowman as your biggest pushed baby faces, it's very hard for a heel like The Miz to be presented credibly with these people. Like, look at the heels they have now on SmackDown. You have, you know, a lot of bigger guys, which you could argue positives or negatives, but Jinder Mahal, Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, I mean, uh, Brock Lesnar. Yeah. I mean, you, that's kind of what you forced yourself into is having these much larger heels. Um, whereas a Miz, I agree with you. I think he's going to fit in way better on SmackDown with this dynamic of baby faces to work with. But along those lines, I mean, I'm looking at that current Raw roster and I'm not feeling so great about Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn or or uh, even a Baron Corbin and their chances of trying to, you know, uh, stay afloat next to guys like guys like Braun and Roman. Well, listen, if, if Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn listened to this show, maybe it would have dawned on them what an NXT run might have done for their careers. Maybe being away... Would have been an, a, a good detour. So. I don't know if it's really their choice. Uh, it probably is not. But, I, I mean, hey, you, you, can, you can push a little. I think that would have been great for them. But I agree with you. I, they're in a very weird spot on Raw. So we will, we will see where they are situated on that show. Then they announced Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose will be coming to SmackDown. The Usos are in the ring. And this set up a singles match with Luke Harper and Jay Uso. Jimmy super kicked Rowan on the floor, and this allowed Harper to hit Jay with a discus clothesline and pin Jay in 52 seconds. We did not have a whole lot of time for matches on this show. Well, plus the story here is that the Usos, no matter what they do, they can't figure out a strategy to beat the Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, so they're going to have to resort to something else, and I wonder what that something else is going to be. Maybe there's a third Uso. Uh, Roman Uso? <laughs> Perhaps. That would really be the only way. Eric Rowan attacked Jimmy on the floor. Jimmy tries to fight back with a mallet and got thrown into the steps. And then they run Jay's uh, back first into the apron. They tease using the mallet on Jimmy, but Naomi runs down to check on Jimmy and yell no more at Rowan and Harper. Mm. And they just left. Like, they were very accommodating here. They understood that there was a line that they were not going to cross. And they, they left the man with his wife. I thought Rowan and Harper. I mean, this was. I know they've got this is, a, this is a violent industry, and they were gentlemen here to Naomi. I thought so too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it's Valentine's Day somewhere in the world, I suppose. Like in fairness, they just were using their their fists here. It was Jimmy that introduced the mallet. True. If anything, he had it coming. Well, uh, I suppose we just, but uh, I, I mean, overall, I thought this was fine. This was a good segment. I think it's always nice to acknowledge uh, real life relationships. It kind of adds a bit of realism. I would have said that, but I think in my case, this was perhaps a little bit tougher to buy because I was one of the few that followed the Mixed Match Challenge. And this scene was something that was done back then, but for comedic effect. In a match against uh, with Naomi and Jimmy Uso against Braun Strowman and Alexa, where Braun Strowman was beating the shit out of Jimmy Uso, and Naomi had to give that kind of same, you know, uh, had to feign the same concern for her husband. But except that time, it was done like entirely comically. So this one was a little bit tougher for for me to buy because you know Naomi trying to act like she's seriously concerned about her husband's well-being. Mm, 
you know, after after seeing her with Strowman, it's it was a little bit tougher. But for most people, weren't watching the Mixed Match Challenge, so they might have viewed, viewed this with a bit more seriousness. We came back from break, and SmackDown veteran Sin Cara was in the ring. And then Samoa Joe's music hit, and this one got a big reaction from the audience. I think this was a genuine surprise. Joe just murdered this man with knees and choked him out with the coquina clutch in a minute 34. I think the, the one move... Probably of the entire draft. I mean, not counting, I suppose, some of the debuts, but maybe even counting the debuts. I think uh, the singular move that probably has uh, the most people excited, thinking about the potential matchups and what it could mean for somebody like a Samoa Joe. Yeah, and listen, you watch a show like this, I don't know how you can't be excited for this show, but at the same side, I look at a show where you're going very hard with Shinsuke Nakamura, you now have Samoa Joe. You clearly have a top heel position outlined for Big Cass. Um, you have all these baby faces. The Miz might be at most a number three heel on this show, if not number four. It's like this show is loaded mm-hmm. with people, and I would I would say maybe too loaded. Oh, yeah, when we'll, when there's we'll two shows that you have to fulfill here. Yeah, we shall see. Like, there's going to be something like Joe could have just an unbelievable run here on SmackDown. As I think this guy could be your champion on SmackDown for a long time. I think um, it certainly means uh, he'll have a much better chance of, of being champion than, you know, staying on Raw. And he came close on Raw, I thought. But uh, SmackDown, I, I would almost say it's a guarantee. Like, I look at the, the, the heels that they have on this show. Joe is, like, far and away the best one. Um, in terms of promos, I feel like he he might be the best guy on SmackDown right now. So I maybe, you know, I, I really do feel like he he has a title run in the next year. Joe says this is the land of handouts, and this roster's had it easy and been coddled and catered to. Everyone here is convinced they're better than they really are, and it all changes now because now he gets all the opportunities. He's going to put Daniel Bryan to sleep. He's going to defang the Viper, Randy Orton, and he's going to emasculate and decimate AJ Styles. And he warns what he's going to do in Saudi Arabia, and he's going to put the big dog out to pasture for good. So he's promising that he can go win the the IC title because he's in that ladder match yeah, at the Greatest I, Royal which Rumble. I didn't even know. When did they announce that? I mean, they announced that right away when they put out the the press release, but they haven't announced that on television. Okay. So I don't it think people used a lot of people. Yeah. Well, it, it was a, it is a four way that is scheduled uh, with the ladder match with, uh, who do we have? It's, it's the three way from WrestleMania with Balor, Rollins, Miz and Joe in the ladder match. So how is any of that going to work? I suppose those, the, the SmackDown guys can just bring the, the title over. That's going to be the tease. And you know, oh, for all intents God. and purposes, I think you're just going to have Rollins retain. What a mess. Well, Jeez. it's kind of all these loose ends. I'll be honest. I don't care really about the ladder match because you can protect a Joe, but I really don't want to see Reigns just beat this guy at Backlash with the idea that he's, quote-unquote, leaving the territory. He's not leaving the territory. I'm watching him on one night, and then I'm watching him on the next night. And Oh, he's going to lose. Gonna I know lose. he's going to lose. I think that that's their whole mentality when a guy leaves one show for the other, but it's the audience that's watching this, and I think Joe is really hot at this point and shouldn't be losing a match in that fashion. Um, and it, and as well, if you 
add in the fact that that could very well be a universal title match, it just feels like such a lame duck match we have to build up. Granted, it's a week, but nonetheless. Then they aired a promo for Sanity coming to SmackDown. As we mentioned, it will be Eric Young, Killian Dane, and Alexander Wolfe with Nikki Cross uh, remaining on Smack, uh, remaining on NXT. And that, to me, sums up this draft perfectly, is that, dude, Killian Dane coming up to me mm-hmm. is, like, True. what awesome addition as yeah. a big man. Mm-hmm. And, like, again, it's just, this is such a talent-heavy show that... I just worry about a group like this being lost in the shuffle. That is very true. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, you don't even think about that, actually. I completely forget that somebody like Achillean Dane is even... I would say that's the, the biggest part of Sanity. And, uh, uh, I mean, literally and figuratively. And um, I think he was kind of uh, diminished, I suppose, in his announcement. Um, I wonder. I wonder what they have planned for the, that stable. And I think if you're Nikki Cross, maybe you should be happy that you're not a part of this package so that when you are finally introduced, uh, maybe with a different character, who knows what they're going to do with her. But she might be able to come by with a, a bit more fanfare when she is finally introduced. Yeah, and I saw some people bring this up as well, the fact that, you know, look how Carmella benefited by not being called up mm-hmm. with Enzo, Enzo and Cass. In the long run, that was really good for her. And I mean... They're not keeping someone down in NXT as punishment. They have plans for her. So in the long run, it may turn out very well. Because Nikki Cross on this show, look at all the women they've put on this show. She would be someone completely lost here. I feel like staying in NXT is rarely punishment. Like, if as long as you're getting focused on in NXT, you know? Maybe if you're a Tyler Breeze, you know, who's been, like, spending a long time in NXT... It might feel that way, but I don't. I don't feel that way about Nikki Cross. It's it's cre- it's creatively rewarding for yeah. most, but financially restrictive. Sure. I think that that's the difference. Sure. Renee then interviewed Daniel Bryan. Uh, he said he helped AJ because he respects AJ. And Bryan said that when I was out for three years, I made a list, just like Cody Rhodes did, of all the people that I wanted to face while I was gone, and AJ was at the top because he's the best. So there you go. Um, shot fired there at Kenny Omega. And he wanted to prove that he hasn't lost a step. Nakamura ruined the match last week, and he's proud to fight by the side of AJ and knows that they will have a chance to face each other again. And then from behind walks Big Cass, who stands straight ahead and just looks over Brian's head and then looks down and says, You're what all the fuss is about, little man. And... God, what a uh, what a return here for Big Cass. Big Cass now a heel. Uh, he was a heel when he left. No, he wasn't. Was he? Remember, he turned on Enzo. Remember? I thought he was the baby face there. I thought Enzo was the heel. No, he had turned on. Well, Enzo was so unlikable. But remember, Big Cass and Big Show had that awful match at SummerSlam. No, and... I don't. But now I do. God, okay, it was terrible. <laughs> so you are best to have just forgotten it and flush it out of your mind. But Jesus. it was not good. How long uh, ago was that? That was summer. That SummerSlam. feels like an eternity ago. With with how how many things have happened since then in in everybody's lives. God. Yes. Oh my God! Yeah. So you're right. Okay, so he was he was a heel then. Enzo was a babyface, and somehow in 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 between that time, Enzo turned heel and joined 205. All that happened in in during his knee recovery. Oh my goodness! Well, 
Something else happened in Big Cass's life in that interim. Because after this segment, they follow up immediately with like a direct cut as Carmella comes out for her melibration. So this entire time, since Big Cass and Enzo have been called up, they keep Carmella and Cass separate uh, on on two different brands. Now they've split up and they're finally on the same show. So somebody back there... um, has a really I, I think funny can, sense of humor. I don't know if that's a funny sense of humor. It's a, maybe a cruel one. Oh, God. Uh, maybe Cena and Nikki are going to be on the next Mixed Match Challenge. Oh, I can only hope for the next season of Total Divas or Bellas. I mean, that's oh. that'll be just pure entertainment, but but terrible for the people's personal lives. On that front, on the, the Raw side, like, they are very high on Jinder and Baron Corbin. And if you if you're going with, like, your prototypical big man, and you had to rank Jinder Mahal, Baron Corbin, and Big Cass. How are you ranking those, Way? From mo- most faith you would have in one of them pulling off a, a big feud to... Big Cass. A, a de- complete identical response. Yeah. I think he would have been much better served on Raw in a... Like, I, I thought that this guy, he showed something last year when, they, when Enzo got hurt. The, I guess that was two years ago when Enzo got hurt and he was on his own for a bit. And then when they separated him, like, he's a good promo. Oh, yeah. He he can get by in the ring. This guy is not, you know, the mm-hmm. most amazing talent, but he's not terrible. No, I, I, I like Big Cass. I think he's good. I think he's very talented. I think he's a decent promo. I see uh, much more in him than I do Baron Corbin now, and Jinder Mahal. I mean, I feel like he probably still just needs a lot of experience. And, you know, trust me, I, I guess he'll really get it amongst this, this mix on, on SmackDown. I suppose, you know, if you're looking at this roster, though, he's not necessarily somebody I would put uh, in the mix with your Joes and your Styles and your Bryans. Uh, however, I mean, if he is your long-term project, there's no better way to give him that experience than to throw him in that mix with those guys. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously getting a really big push coming back here if he's being aligned with Daniel Bryan right away. Mm-hmm. So Carmella comes out, crowd's chanting, you deserve it. And she says they all just want to hop on the bandwagon, but no one supported her before. They can all shut up. And she laughs about beating Charlotte all on her own, almost like it was incomprehensible to her that she beat this woman. She even did a Charlotte strut, which might have been a better than Charlotte's, and then throws to her own music video. We come back. She's named her briefcase Frankie, but the title is named Cleopatra. She says, Mela is money. And then is interrupted by Charlotte. Uh, I thought this went a, a bit too long. I thought she was really trying hard here. A lot of people did not enjoy this promo. What, uh, what did you what did I you fucking think? loved it. I okay, thought, well, I thought Carmella was great. Listen, she's not much in ring right now, but I think as a personality, I thought she was magnetic here. You know, it, it's a different type of heel than somebody like an Alexa. I would say Carmella is a bit more of like a Nikki Bella kind of annoying Valley Girl type. But I, I, I thought the promo was smoother. Her personality felt big. And it felt, again, a lot of it, I think, especially with women's wrestling now, she needs to be able to back it up and ring. And that's where my biggest concerns are. But as a personality, I mean, I thought she she fit the spotlight here. Charlotte said that the only reason Carmella had the briefcase was that chinless freak, who I guess goes nameless now in this company. He was completely edited out of that video. <laughs> like, I, I don't understand their version. I suppose they want to make Carmella seem like she's, you know, 
done it all on her own legitimately. And that's probably what Carmela wanted to do. Yes, if she made that video herself. I guess that makes why, sense. Why even have Charlotte bring it up then? Well, I guess to point out, you know, the the uh, the 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 fact that she did have help. Um, but they so refused to mention him by name, I guess. Maybe we're supposed to believe Carmela legit edited this video just yeah. like Joe did his on on Monday so she no, conveniently she, left out Ellsworth. She, she hired Samoa Joe to edit this for her. Oh, okay. She says she only won the title because of Peyton Royce and Billy Kay and she isn't mad because game respects game. And she capitalized on an opportunity. Then the iconics come out, which many people noted this. I didn't catch this last week. It's a double I at the beginning of this, so I don't even know how to pronounce this. What? It's the I-Iconics. I-Iconics? Are we sure about that? Yes. Look that, this are up. we sure it's just not the font? No, everyone was uh, discussing this. It's, it's, it's much like the Riot Squad, but it's with the I at the beginning. Ew. So, did you Gross. pull up the... Uh, yeah, I'm on their Twitter. It's disgusting. Ugh. <laughs> Wait, it's not even their official Twitter. Wait a second, though. I-Iconics? Yeah, the two the two conics. Mm, that's terrible, but okay. Whatever. I don't know if I like the name as much. Like I like the the iconic duo. I liked iconic, but the the iconics. It that, sounds like, like a, a mixture of. Oh, it sounds like a either I'm ordering a gin and tonic or I'm about to get a colonic, and it just doesn't sound good. The colonics. I like that. That's what people are going to mock them as uh, and call them. But, I mean, I can get over the name. I think this act is tremendous. Um, Billy cuts a promo on Charlotte, calling her pathetic to blame them for her failure. Then Peyton mocks Charlotte as a baby whining, and she needs a bottle and diaper change. I swear, if you were to transcribe this promo, you'd probably cringe at, you know, a WWE written promo. But then you watch these two. And it's tremendous. These are the arguments uh, of how you can overcome a scripted promo. Well, these are the types of performances that make you question whether or not this was even scripted. Because it it felt so natural for the two of them that um, it's hard to believe that this was these were words somebody wrote on a page that they memorized. And I, I do question it because I thought they were so convincing. Well, they do a tremendous job. Um, Charlotte goes after... Both of them on the floor, they get the advantage, and then Becky runs out to help. And then they set up a singles match with Billy Kay and Charlotte that started during the break, and Carmella was seated ringside. Billy got the heat on Charlotte, kicked away at her ribs, trapped the arm. They went through a commercial, fairly long match here for for the these two, especially for Billy Kay being called up. Kay got a roll up for a two count, then Charlotte did the running boot, applied the fig- figure eight, and tapped out Billy Kay. At 750, which I guess the thinking was after Charlotte lost, she needs a win back. But I thought this was still kind of early even to do a match with these two. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, somebody, I mean, if anybody going up against Charlotte, I think kind of has to lose um, unless they cheat to win, which I guess she could have done. And I don't think it would have really, oh, people would have complained about Charlotte, though. Um, but I think the fact that Billy Kay was the one to lose first amongst the team, I wonder if that's how they ranked her uh amongst her and billy or or peyton royce uh i wonder the match itself was not much um mm, you know i think the personalities are very strong but i didn't think this was necessarily a strong performance from uh from billy k here nor charlotte really carmella and becky got involved afterwards the 
The baby faces were being beaten down. Carmella was rubbing Charlotte's face into the mat, and then Asuka's music hit. And she comes out to make the save, hip attack to Royce, and then a spinning back fist to Billy Kay and to Peyton Royce, German suplex to Royce, and then Becky and Charlotte attack Kay, and the three women stand tall. So um, I thought this made a lot of sense to move Asuka over here. Um, and you align her with sense. Charlotte. It made and sense. You can ab- sorry. Sorry, sorry. Please finish. That's it. I mean, it made sense. But again, like, what's going on on Raw? You know? <laughs> like, you've taken all the best parts of Raw. I mean, I guess Alexa we still have. But Jesus, like, we have more Sasha Bailey to look forward to, I guess. Riot well, Squad to look forward to. Well, Naya. what does that tell you, though? Like, you have a roster, though, that still has... Like, imagine two years ago saying you have Bailey, Sasha, you have Alexa, who has turned into a great performer, Nia Jax, who's more over than she was on NXT, yeah. you've got Natalia, and it's... There's no discounting that, John, but it's like, these shakeups are meant to refresh rosters, and as it looks right now on, on Raw, we're just going to get a continuation of a lot of what we've already seen. Who well, who did they get to shake them up? Natal- in fairness, Natalia? they have the they have the biggest of all though on Raw. Like that's what the whole division is built around. But is Ronda really going to be in the mix with with everybody? I, I I guess she can be. I just see her making kind of sporadic appearances with at least having matches. You know what I mean? To me, the negativity on the Raw division is just what a poor job they've done with Sasha and Bailey. Mm-hmm. Like where they've driven Bailey down to. I think Sasha will really benefit from a a full-out heel turn. I think that will uh, renew something. But she's not like a featured player. She's kind of just... Her and Bailey are off on their own at the moment. And that's that's where yeah. things are. And now they're feuding with the Riot Squad. So yeah. that's... They're kind of just off to themselves. I don't think the division is is awful there. But I, I didn't want to see Asuka in the middle of all that. She had no role on that show, it felt like, after losing the streak. So yeah. I'll I say, think she fits in better here now. Yeah, and I'll say on the other hand... like. I would say SmackDown's women's division really feels refreshed. And that's, you know, only it only took a week for them to do it. I think what's driving the division now, though, are three, in my opinion, very strong heel personalities in Carmella and uh, the Iconics. Iconics. Uh, and I think that's really good for baby faces like Charlotte, Becky, Naomi, and now Asuka. Because, you know... Um, Baby faces need strong heels in order to beat. But I'll say I think my main concerns are still in-ring for the heels. I think the heels need that monster to really even out their odds uh, because, like... Well, Asuka turning down the road should be something in the plans at yeah, some point. Totally. I just don't see Asuka teaming with the Iconics or Carmella, though. That's that's a bit of a weird fit. Um, but You don't certainly. have to have them teaming, though. She can be on her own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the current feud is like kind of those three versus the other three, right? Maybe Asuka and Nakamura just form an alliance. Yeah, the no English alliance. Oh, fuck this country. Yeah. These people are awful. Anyway, the bar did a selfie promo talking about how they've ended the New Day's record reign. They broke the Hardys and they shattered the shield. They've been four time Raw tag champions and they're always asked about the teams on SmackDown. So now they're here on SmackDown. Man, cool. I, I I mean, I think the bar we can kind of... Maybe some of us expected. Maybe they came as a surprise to me too because weren't they involved in something? Um, I'm trying to think what they're... Well, they're, they're, they're wrestling for the vacant titles next week at the Royal Rumble. The vacant Raw titles. The vacant Raw titles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I think they're a very good team. 
But again, they're also a team that I I have to wonder, like, SmackDown's tag division now feels almost a little too loaded. How are they going to find the TV time, you know, with, with all these other teams on? Well, who are who are the main teams we have? We have the Usos, New Day, Bludgeon Brothers, The Bar. Gallows and Anderson. Okay, fine. Granted, they're not necessarily top tier. They should be. They should be just aligned with AJ. I think that they should have that kind of alliance. And the thing is, AJ doesn't need it, you know. And I do feel like Gallows and Anderson, after seeing their very min- minor run with the Balor Club, I almost feel like they're better off as heels because they were completely inconsequential as baby faces. And AJ is sort of like a guy who doesn't need that. Plus, you have sanity, sanity as well. Yeah, I just think that there's no reason to move Anderson and Gallows unless they had tremendous chemistry with AJ, where I thought they had none with Finn, even even with the history. I mean, right. it didn't come across on the television show. Maybe on maybe on Ride Along they were great, but they were not on the show. No, they weren't focused on him. But the thing is, is like AJ as a baby face, I think works better as a solo act. You know, mm-hmm. what are two giant guys going to do to help your? Now, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, they should they also on, they should they should feud with AJ. Well, that kind of just kind of dilutes AJ at this point, who doesn't need to be bothering with with them. It's it it's really tough when you list all these teams and all these women and all the singles acts yeah, they have yeah. of how like part of me the back of my head is this whole television deal are they negotiating for like a three hour SmackDown? <laughs> That's my fear. Replace two hundred five live. I'll be more than happy. I uh, I, I feel bad for the for the cruisers, but I mean, give them that extra hour. Why not? Uh, well, it, it wouldn't. It it would it would be out of left field, but who knows? As they are negotiating here for a new television deal, that I'm sure plenty of different options are on the table. This is a roster that could easily facilitate a three hour show. Um, the new day is backstage. By the way, Anderson and Gallows were announced on Instagram. By the way, um, the new day is backstage. How do they decide that? Who to announce on Twitter? Who to announce on Instagram? Uh, who are we pushing and who are we not? Like, are, are Gallows and Anderson more in, more grammable for some reason? Uh, they were less of a priority than R-Truth, apparently, who got actual FaceTime on the show. The New Day's reacting to the bar's announcement, and Big E's just shaking his head saying that Sheamus sucks in reaction to this. And then they point off camera to the immortal one, R-Truth. The immortal one. <laughs> I thought it was really funny, because they point off camera. And for a, a split second, you you think that they just ran into Hulk Hogan? Are you Return- kidding me? Well, dude, they clearly thought it was the joke. Hulk they Hogan made it. is drafted to SmackDown in a backstage skit. Yes, I would love it. Yeah, yeah, at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, mm-hmm. he makes his triumphant return. This was weird. Um, what happened here? I don't know. Ty Dillinger walked in. I had to refresh my memory to remember if this guy was on SmackDown. Oh my god, imagine if you're Ty Dillinger now on this roster. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh that guy really should be on 205 Live. He'd, he'd at least get on TV. Um, They teased tension between Ty Dillinger and R-Truth, which, if ever, that was a feud. I don't know what to say. But it turns out they were all buddies. They did this ridiculous handshake, cheer, and then... R-Truth thought it was Monday and that they were all on Raw. They informed them, no, this is SmackDown. And he says he'll see them tomorrow. So, I mean, I don't... Do you think these two actually have had history together? Dillinger and Truth? Yeah. Uh, 
I, I cannot answer that question. Like I, 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 at least like on screen, I, I don't know of a time when they would have interacted. Maybe on main event they had a, a long program. I don't know. But they're trying to sell the idea that these two are like li- like long time best friends. And I I wonder what the creative is behind this, what they have planned for a potential Dillinger Truth team up or feud. Um Ten Truth. Maybe that will be their new team. To ten and we'll get to ten the truth. Yeah, maybe that'll be their new, uh, the the latest tag team to this loaded division. I I put zero thought into this segment way, so I have no analysis. Um, then they showed a graphic of all the talent, and this is where they confirmed that Sanity is just three, uh, Wolf, Dane, and Young coming up, which quite the TNA presence on SmackDown now. I mean, you lost yeah. Bobby Roode, but man, Eric Young, you have AJ, you have Samoa Joe. And then you have on Raw, Jeff you have Hardy. Rude, uh, Jeff Hardy. And then you have Drew McIntyre and Bobby Roode over on Raw. Amazing. When you yeah, we've come it. a long way from them uh, feeling like people in TNA were uh, unmarketable. Well, they've, they clearly have uh, had, a, had a sea change. Maybe the, that's like their unofficial developmental in, in Orlando. Then, you think everything's done. Another selfie promo. Zelina Vega with Andrade Cien Almas. This was the point where you just like, it's too much. It's yeah, like too much. This is fucking like, crazy. Damn, what is Paige doing? Like, what? Uh, what's like? What? What? Are, what's her secret? Tell me like, so I can I can uh, go to my boss and ask for a raise. Jeez. Like I don't I don't know. Like I listen. You you hope all this talent is going to be utilized correctly, but. How how can these people be fo- like Almas is like on this show he's got to be what how 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 low down on the heel side must this guy be and this guy could legit with Zelina Vega be a top heel I think Zelina Vega cutting promos on Roman Reigns would have been awesome true yeah I almost I only, he's almost somebody that I think would have been better served um, on a Smack or on a Raw but. Excuse me, but at the same time, I don't think he's going to necessarily get lost in the shuffle too much because I think they give a lot of their former NXT champions a lot of reverence and they treat them with a lot of like, especially if, if like Hunter, you know, has has anything to do with it. They won't. They'll make sure that they won't just you know throw. Yeah, it's it, it's not Hunter's show. It's they're kind of yeah, like but left- he's got influence. Uh to a degree, like he's not he's not. The be all end all on this show. I mean, he's okay. not going to be the one that's going to be saving guys. I mean, we've seen plenty of guys that have just died on the main roster. Okay, but I mean, I'm I'm thinking about guys like I, I'm not counting Bo Dallas or Neville, but I, I'm thinking you know, of Bailey. No, okay. Well, women's champions might be different, but I think almost everybody like. Well, I guess we'll see with McIntyre, but I mean. Guys like from Joe to Nakamura to uh, Finn Balor, they've all treated them with with a pretty good deal of respect. I suppose Rude might be a different one too. There's been hits and misses. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I I just think the, these two together have such a high ceiling. I mm-hmm. and we we shouldn't just you know discount this. It just looks on a show where you have just introduced Joe when Nakamura is such a big heel at this point. Um, you just wonder where where is this guy going to fit in, um, and we'll see. We'll see what his first program is. But this is a very loaded show. 
They plugged the Undertaker-Rusev casket match for Greatest Horror Rumble, and then the main event was Styles and Bryan against Rusev and Aiden English. Uh, Bryan and AJ did this double-team surfboard-axe-handle combination onto English. Bryan went for the yes-lock to Rusev as Styles attempted the calf crusher. Both heels bailed to the floor, went through the break. A lot of heat on Styles. He fought back, got the Pele kick, hot tag to Bryan, fired up on Rusev. Uh, Bryan's comeback here was just great. I mean, he's just... Was He's it not, though, man. I listen. This audience was pretty hot for this. I know. I I, th- I think for me though, it was just it's it's just a Daniel Bryan who's now doing. He's always been like this in the WWE, but I feel like now even more, like he's just a guy who does all his familiar spots now. There's no real, like I think when they announced that he was going to come back, I was looking for like a bit of a change in style. And I've seen him in like three matches now, and I'm not really seeing any of that, and perhaps I'm a little bit disappointed. Like to me, it's still indicative that this is still very much a simplified WWE version of Brian Danielson. I... I think the criticism is fair, maybe. The, like, the WrestleMania match, you know, didn't live up to its potential. I didn't think it was a bad match. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily pin it on on Brian either. I think they really handicapped themselves in that match. Uh, but this, I mean, you also have to grade that this is a SmackDown tag match. I don't want to see this guy going out and, and killing himself in a tag match. Especially when you're getting a reaction like this with, you know, just, a, you know, you fire back with your comeback and you do your trademark stuff. Um there's a certain True. style to a WWE tag match that I, yeah, I don't yeah, expect this guy to go all out and, you know, kill so, himself in a tag on SmackDown. I mean, I suppose maybe then it's the style that I'm not such a fan of because, I mean, I think when Brian was still out, uh, a lot of us were thinking about what the possibilities could be if he got out of this WWE system and started wrestling again, let's say for New Japan or, or somewhere in the independence. Now, we're getting a WWE uh, return from Daniel Bryan, and I, as a result, we're kind of getting a WWE version of Daniel Bryan, which doesn't see a ton of variety or creativity in the wrestling. And yes, you're right. It's only been like three, uh, you know, one was like his comeback match. The others were just very small TV matches. But I feel like, hmm, I don't know. I, th- I feel like at least it's enough for me to kind of get a sense of how he's going to be. It's not necessarily as exciting of a style as I think I was expecting. I think you have to grade as well once he gets, you know, like a prop. Like, he hasn't had a real proper match yet, like where he's had 15, 20 minutes on a pay-per-view mm-hmm. that True. you're, you're going to see. Um, did, did introduce a, a dragon screw leg whip here, did the yes kicks, uh, did the running knee, and then Nakamura showed up on the floor, low-blowed AJ Styles, who's just got to be um, never having another child at this point. Uh, Brian sees him, walks over to check on him, turns around, and Big Cass lays out Brian with a big boot and puts his fist up in the air as Nakamura is just watching like a crazy man on the ramp. Renee then interviews Nakamura and just asks, what's going on? He says, no speak English, and just makes these crazy facials and leaves. His, His reactions are just awesome. I think this guy has the best facial expressions in wrestling right now. Pretty good. Her, him or Ronda, you know, one of the two. I I really like this no speak English thing as his catchphrase. It's not a shirt I would wear personally, uh, but almost a shirt I kind of want to see them make. Well, this was uh, quite the 
the heavy edition of news from SmackDown's show on Tuesday night, uh, completely revamping the show um, with a lot of additions. Um, in terms of a show, I mean, the wrestling was really not uh, any kind of focus mm-hmm. on this particular show. It was just all the additions and what? Well, it's not a focus, John, but like you have a main event featuring AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, and Rusev. Is that any excuse to not have a, a blow-away match? You know? Like, and that's why I think that those are sort of my complaints about about maybe the Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles set of matches we've had so far. Yes, again, they're nothing. But I feel like with those two, the expectation is there for them to even, in a throwaway nothing match, to do something a bit more special. And I feel like, you know, overall, the wrestling on this show still kind of under-delivered. Um, but in terms of game-changing, like, big surprises, I felt far more satisfied with the announcements here than on Raw. I thought this show achieved, you know, what you want to set out with these superstar shakeups of making it feel like all these fresh matches, fresh, even refreshing, refreshing characters. Um, I think there was a lot of interest in Raw, whereas I had uh, none coming out of Monday for, for the changes made on that show. Mm-hmm. So that was that show. We move on to 205 Live now. What a follow-up. Uh, oh, this was tough. Started with Arya Davari cutting a promo on Mustafa Ali's promo. He, he cut a promo about Mustafa Ali's promo from last week to Cedric and losing at WrestleMania. So this set up Arya Davari against Mustafa Ali. A fan yelled, Davari, no one knows you. And this was one man, and you could hear this pretty clearly. This match consisted of Arya Davari just trying to break Ali's back for seven and a half minutes. And then after Ali kicked out of a Persian frog splash, he blocked a back suplex off the top. Ali landed on his feet, recovered and hit the 054 and won the match after selling for like 95% of this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, I, my energy level personally was just so low for this match after watching SmackDown. And I think um, just like, I guess seeing the amount of star power on it, uh, it's just such a jarring shift to go from AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan in a main event to, uh, you know, and I love him, Mustafa Ali versus Arya Davari. Like without the momentum of the tournament, it just feels like all these matches are just not worth seeing as good as they are. Yeah, I I think that this show, it really does need to kick off with something impactful most weeks because you're right. It's following the main event that you've had a two-hour buildup to immediately. There's no downtime. You're going right into the next show. Um, granted, there are some that are going to watch this on their own, but I I think that there's a vast amount of people that are simply watching these shows back-to-back, and especially the live crowd is watching this back-to-back. And Mm -hmm. I would almost tailor my show more to the live crowd than I would to the viewer at home. I would want, because I think that has a great impact, is the audience reaction can typically sway yours at home. If they're alive, you're going to be invested. And if they're dead, I think it's a a real challenge, even if they're having a great match, which is the story of 205 Live. Dude, it's almost impossible like guys have to kill themselves like like in the main event on this show in order to get a reaction from this audience like they're just it's such an uphill battle that like in a throwaway nothing match like this Mustafa Ali versus Arya Davari those guys just really don't stand a chance and i feel bad cuz like i think Ali like was doing great heading into mania here he feels like far less of a star than he was before you know 
before WrestleMania. Then they recap Buddy Murphy's attack on Cedric Alexander last week and Cedric tweeting that he will make his own statement to Buddy Murphy, but apparently not tonight. Drake Maverick calls Murphy's actions inexcusable. So inexcusable that he's going to offer him a title match against Cedric Alexander. So I guess Buddy Murphy is the Conor McGregor of 205 Live. (laughs) And said he was going to give Buddy the chance at Greatest Royal Rumble to face Cedric. But then this morning, he had a weigh-in. And Murphy weighed 207.5 pounds. Well, why is he weighing in like, like a week ahead? It was a great question because this match was not happening tonight. And like they've explained, he has to weigh in every single week, but he was not booked on a match tonight. So it's kind of odd that he has to be held to this weight standard every week, regardless of when he has a match or not. But I guess that's the story is that every week he has to be this weight. He also somehow like he's been weighing in at like 197. What the hell happened over the last Uh, week? I mean, I don't know. WrestleMania catering. Buddy got fat. And he wanted an hour to cut the weight. And goddamn Commissioner Maverick said no. <laughs> so I guess I guess the story is that they don't want guys ballooning up and then doing these unhealthy weight cuts. So that's why they have to be on weight every week. It's kind of like amateur wrestler. Sure. Okay, fine. They, they're protective of, of the health of their competitors. Okay. So Murphy will have to make weight at a later date to get that title shot. And in the meantime, Maverick's going to make a gauntlet match for next week. And the winner of that match will face Cedric Alexander at the greatest Royal Rumble. This booking of like this greatest Royal Rumble thing is just one of the more bizarre, I think. Oh, maybe maybe the backstories we'll, we'll get to hear at some some later time. Like they've announced this card. I didn't I didn't even know the Cedric versus Buddy Murphy match was happening, but like how- this was the fr- this was the first time they had announced that that was what they were going to do. So then, wh- what 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 was the point of this at all? I don't know. I don't know. Like they had never announced this cruiserweight title match prior to this promo, and then they bring up the fact this is what we were going to do, but we're not doing it. Okay, I was just as confused. Way I had no idea why they even went to this trouble of explaining why Buddy Murphy is not getting the next title shot when it would have been so easy to say that... Wait, so so last week, though, Buddy Murphy attacked Cedric. Yes. They didn't announce anything after that? No. Okay. They didn't announce it afterwards. Which, tonight, would it have been that hard to say that because of his actions, he is not getting a title shot? Instead of going to this length. Who knows who Cedric... These were way too many questions than I needed for 205 Live. So, gauntlet match next week, and we'll get a couple-day build for this Cedric Alexander title defense. Jack Gallagher and Brian Kendrick took on the tandem known as Vinny Scalise and Kevin DeTibris. Do we know who these two are? Uh, Vinny and Kevin. Kendrick tied up Vinny and extended his arm back. Kevin tagged in, and Kendrick just beat the shit out of this guy. Uh, Gallagher was driving him neck first into the edge of the apron, and then there was a headbutt to Kevin into the captain's hook, and he tapped at 356. Um, I'm, I mean, I don't even know if this match was good or not. I'm sorry, because like, this was like midway through this match was, I think, when I decided that we, we have to have uh, an intervention. 
um, about whether or not we should be continuing to cover 205 Live. Well, unlike WWE, I I concern I am concerned of our shows being like way too long, and I wonder how much these 205 Live shows are just like a drain on people by reviewing them for, uh, and tacking on another 20 minutes to a show. So I'm very much in limbo right now about yeah. continuing the show. I feel we should do next week into this cycle where they do the title match going into the greatest Royal Rumble. But I mean, after that, like that, you clearly see where this show is after watching this, we're, we're adjusting all the rosters and this show remains untouched. And it's just like, you, you know where the show is and their priority. It's at the bottom. It's at the level of a main event right now. Like it is like the, the, their TV show main event, which yeah. uh, has a lot of their cruiserweight talent on it. Uh, coincidentally, it's just like, and we're also like delaying our our, our uploading of, of like our SmackDown reviews by an hour. So at this point, like I don't even know how many people are listening to this right now or how many people care. I'm sure some people appreciate it, but I I thought it made sense for us to do the Cruiserweight tournament because that really felt like it was a, a something important and exciting. And I was really happy to watch those matches. But without something like that driving the show, without the introduction introduction of new talent every single week to keep me interested. Uh, it's 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 really tough. Yeah, and I think especially this week, when you like, they should have done something on this show, just something to give it a its own little burst of momentum to move you. They this was just another week for this show, and it just felt like it's the, you know, just the just the ugly. They're matches. It, yeah, it's like the stepchild that's ignored by this company. That it's not a priority for us. We're not going to make any adjustments to this show. We're not adding on anybody we're not doing any big angles it's just another week like at least with nxt you you have a lot of matches but you all know like they're all working for something everybody is working to i don't know impress somebody to eventually move their way up there's progression there's storylining whether whether or not they're trying to make it with this show what are these people working towards what 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 can hideo itami hope for you know if he does really well in this match yeah, this is NXT. You're looking at talent that you're assuming. Well, who's going to be called up amongst these? They're all working for that. This is presented as like you're in prison. Like that's how you view some of these performers. Where if they do get over by some reason, I mean, you're I just wondering. Be, like that might like, be a more interesting concept. Like how winner gets to leave 205 Live. Yeah. Anyway, Dasha interviewed Mustafa Ali about Buddy Murphy missing weight. And he said, yeah, he, he missed weight. Drew Gulak cut a promo. <laughs> Look, that was the promo. I, I don't know what, what this even was about. Uh, Drew Gulak knocked the aerial delinquency of Mark Andrews and then cut a promo on Tony Nese and doesn't want to give him a rematch. Cool. There'll be a gauntlet match next week that he's in, and he'll tap you out. Main event, Lindsay Dorado and Grand Metalik against Hideo Itami and Akira Tozawa. This match, this is the kind of 205 Live match that you just feel bad for these four. I know. This match was awesome. It really was. Like, this match at TakeOver would have torn the house down. Mm -hmm. And you're watching this. And listen, this crowd, I I won't say they got the entire arena, but they got a bit of the crowd by the end of this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, they worked really hard. And I just... 
I'm watching this match and I'm just imagining like a crowd that had come to see these four. This would have been the most talked about match. Like this was by far the best match of Tuesday night's tapings. Like, Completely n- agree. like not even a number two next mm-hmm. to it. Um, it's a tornado match. So no tags, no DQ. Drake Mavericks on commentary and Kalisto's backstage. Drake Maverick continues to just be a tremendous cheerleader for this division. And I, th- I, I think he should be their commentator. I think he'd be great on commentary. Um, I mean, you, fortunately, now you have like Nigel coming back. Like you just have too many commentators um, with the addition of Percy as well. Uh, but I agree. I think that that's a great position for Drake Maverick to have. I would be fine if uh, I would love I would love if Nigel was put on Raw and Jonathan Coachman was uh, in charge of I don't know. He could be a backstage interviewer. Be fine with that. Let him ask all the questions he wants. He can he can find out what the bar. Oh, I guess it's too late to ask what the bar means. Yeah. The bar is skip town. I would love Nigel on Raw, and then you do Percy, Drake Maverick, and and Vic Joseph on Two Hundred Five Live. Lots of big stuff here. Uh, it started off with a double super kicks by Metalik and Dorado. There was a double submission spot as Atami had the rings of Saturn applied to Dorado. Tozawa applied this octopus to Metal League, pulling the arm back. And then uh, it was um, Tozawa and Metal League who fell over to break up Atami and Dorado. They're beating down Dorado. Um, Dorado and Metal League then make their comeback, including double moonsaults off the top to the floor. Tozawa hit his crazy suicide dive. And then Tozawa teased, delivering a senton off the top through the announcer's desk. I was so glad this man did not do this on this show of all places. This would be like a WrestleMania bump. Yeah. yeah. Shane would not have done this. This, I was like, oh, please do not do this. Not for this crowd. Uh, Big Tower of Doom spot. Um, Metalik did a handspring off the ropes into a drop kick from Tozawa. And then Dorado uh, did a handspring into a double stunner. Crowd is chanting, this is awesome. Tozawa then misses and hits a big boot to Atami by mistake. Tozawa gets dropped. Dorado uh, climbs to the top. And then uh, it's Tozawa laid out uh, with a shooting star press from Dorado while Metalik does his elbow drop off the top. And they do the double pin at 1535. Really tremendous match. And it's every great 205 live match um, with its obvious uh, criticism. Yeah, I know. And again, it was like a really great match if you decided to sit down and watch it. And I think, you know what, if I went back to watch this, let's say I I, I finished watching NXT and I want to watch a bit more, I will be happy to go back to 205 Live and watch this main event. And I think I'll, I'll leave very satisfied. Mm-hmm. But coming immediately after SmackDown, after the main event of SmackDown, uh, to be treated to like essentially like a really hot dark match, I... I just don't feel like uh, it's just a weird it's like eating like soup at the end of a meal like you know good soup you start off with soup you know or eating a salad like wow awesome salad great but you you eat that before you don't need that at the end they've just announced AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the greatest Royal Rumble okay cool great with the tagline, the dream match will become a nightmare at the Greatest Royal Rumble. I mean, it's. I look forward to that show. I mean, I know it's, it's going to be probably five hours long by the end of it, but oh, I, th- I think I think it's it's a really interesting looking show. 
Yeah, and I think you're going to – I think Styles and Nakamura in front of that crowd, I think they're going to have a better match than they did at WrestleMania. I completely agree. So, I mean, it looks like a very good card, but yeah, going to be long as hell. Let's go on over to the forum now and get your feedback. Tonight's show, dare I ask a prediction way on what this okay. one scored. Oh, my God. This might be one of our higher ones. Uh, I think our record is like we, – have we even hit an eight? I don't know if we've hit an eight. I, I, th- I think this will hit an eight. I'm going to say 8.2. Okay, I'm just going to go eight on the dot. 7.15. Oh, my goodness. You guys. The, the tough the tough forum it lives up to its moniker. Yeah, I'm sorry we didn't get Finn Balor over. I'm sorry we didn't get, uh, I don't know who else. Well, you Kenny, know what? Kenny Omega in to SmackDown. Listen, you were you were very critical about the wrestling, and maybe there were a lot of others who were I, I guess upset so. with that. I mean, there were a lot of there was a lot of news on this show. There was a lot of excitement for future episodes. Maybe just not enough substance on this one beyond the the announcements. Let's go to Lewis from Scotland. So he was up late watching this. More like Stackdown Live. Am I right, guys? Yeah, I don't know if that's making it to the uh, thread. Oh. Clearly, this is now the A show in terms of pure talent. The tag division looks great, and I hope this allows teams like Anderson and Gallows the room to breathe and become as great as we've seen them before. The one baffling thing is giving the sheer amount of great workers and fresh new matchups on offer. Uh, putting a returning big cast on Brian is so strange, especially when I can easily see Brian coming out of this feud the loser. Also, I hope Shinsuke never stops hitting AJ in the dick. I want this bit to go on for years. <laughs> I think we've, like, because I think we've seen that SmackDown has been a place for a lot of people to grow, we have, like, a heightened expectation of of what everybody moving to SmackDown will now achieve. And, you know, as we've talked about, something has to give. And some people like Gallows and Anderson could very well just be in the same place or maybe even worse positions uh, seven months later. Uh, There's just, like, so many people right now. So I think maybe we should all temper our expectations a little bit. Brandon from Oshawa. So let's imagine next week, Kurt Angle is in the war room, talking to whoever he is usually talking to on his phone. Paige walks into the war room and with a list in her hand of who she wants on SmackDown, she hands it to Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle says, none. (laughs) That's basically what the superstar shakeup felt like. And Kurt Angle looks like an absolute (laughs) joke for agreeing to any of these deals at all. He pretty much took all the boring parts of SmackDown and gave them top talent in return. I can so I can totally see this segment playing out in my head too. I feel like that's like the next botch spot comic strip. With the exception of Rusev just being used as a punching bag for others, this was a solid show and it feels instantly far more fresh. I think it was smart to build up to the first face-to-face between Brian and Miz, and I'm glad that it doesn't look like they will instantly go to that feud. Joe is going to be an absolute monster on SmackDown, and I think a SummerSlam card with Joe, AJ, and Brian and Miz as SmackDown's top two matches would be tremendous. We go to Anthony. Absolution shouldn't have been traded to the same show where a now-retired babyface GM and Page resides. It's worse that they now feel more like the Riotata Squad version 2, only still using Page's theme, which is odd. SmackDown feels like the A-show in terms of work rate, which is great for me because that's what got me being a fan of the blue brand during the Paul Heyman era uh, over a decade ago. I kind of wish Balor went to SmackDown, but I can see that as being overkill as Hardy and Joe are great additions to the show overall. I imagine, like, Absolution will now be, um, you know, antagonist to Paige. Yeah, probably. Or, yeah, I don't know. I think they're a weird fit on this show. Uh, I would have just left them on Raw, but, I mean, it's not make or break either way. We go to Chris from Melbourne, Australia. 
Superstar Shake-Up Night 2, so the Raw General Manager Kurt Angle exhibits no negotiating powers. After seeing all the trades being made, I was left scratching my head. Like, did they just trade Mike Kanellis for Samoa Joe? Yeah, I would love if we got actual straight transactions, like who went in exchange for whom. We, I guess we could try to work that out, but yeah. I can only. Uh, by the way, do you know how many people... On SmackDown, I think it was, if you include the NXT call-ups, I think it was 17 people added to SmackDown. So not that far off. It's um, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 people versus the 20, I think, that went to Raw. Without, like, calling call-ups, like, as new additions, or? Uh, I'm including Drew McIntyre. Okay. In the hmm, interesting. Once to Raw. Uh, okay, Th- so this is crazy when you look at this list. Dude, like, Canellis, oh, no. Mojo, The Ascension, Baron, Tyler Breeze, Fandango, Zack Ryder, Liv Morgan, Jinder Mahal. <laughs> it's just... I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, someone should try and work out. What What do you assume the, the trades were? Like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give you Jinder Mahal in exchange. We're going to take Samoa Joe. In a kayfabe mind, I could understand that. Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, thank God Coach is staying on Raw, but I don't understand why Nikki Cross isn't being called up with Sanity. Or is it chaos now, as the first graphic said? Did it say chaos? Oh, I didn't even catch uh, that. I I didn't notice that either. I always wow. found the makeup of the a unique... Um. Okay. I always found... Okay, best addition to SmackDown would have been either Samoa Joe or Andretti C and Almas, both ex- unexpected after last night. Uh, okay, he asks about 205 Live. Should 205 Live tag teams compete for the Raw Tag Team Championships, much like the ECW tag teams competed for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships during the original brand split? I, I don't think it'll help them either way. I don't see them pushing a cruiserweight tag team, and, and look at the teams that they have on, on Raw now that they... You're going to put the, the cruiserweights in the same division as the authors of pain. Like, I just, I, I don't think it would be much of a better uh, fate for, what, for them either. What was the purpose of, of the cruiserweight division to begin with? What do you think it was, John? Well, I mean, the, the tournament did very well for, for the network, and it had a ton of buzz coming out. And the hope was that we, we would be able to have a touring brand out of this, that we'd have another house show circuit. So at this point, John, like, what what are they left with? They're left they're left with I guess a network TV show. Uh, for a time, I guess they they were able to fill some time gaps on Raw with like what were expected to be hot matches. Um, they're not that now. So essentially, all you have is filler for main event and uh, Tool Five Live. Yeah. Now you're also left with a roster now that is kind of bloated. So do you? Still have a need for cruiserweights when you have main roster guys that aren't getting enough TV time as it is. No, I, I don't see them. You know, you could do the odd cruiserweight match on Raw, just fill out a segment, but it's a death segment. Like it's just, it's you've tuned the audience out of the cruiserweight division, and yeah, I think that there comes a point where you look at this show, and if you're not getting a, a television deal for for two hundred five live that is making money where it's uh, uh, an asset to the company and it's just an expense that we're adding every single week and we have all these guys under contract, I, th- I think there does come a, a, a an honest look at this division and a recognition that this didn't get over. This didn't work for us. We presented it in such a way that we saw it over at one point under One Direction and we have seen it now 
not get over. And, you know, it had a blip earlier this year when you had the shift uh, post-Enzo, but we're very much just returning right back to where we started. And it's just, it's a show that does not have stars that are over at the level you need to sustain a show. And I don't know what their metrics of, of success are. You know, after WrestleMania, one of the stats they were promoting was like the millions of minutes that people watched on the network. So if diehards are watching this every week and it's just simply it's minutes watched on the network, that's a metric we value, then sure, more new content is great. 205 Live is going to do better than a ton of old programming that's thrown up there, but it's coming at such a much larger expense than just uploading a year's worth of WCW Saturday night. Yeah, I, I just wonder if like 205 Live would do better than, let's say, you know, some of the talent that aren't going to get on SmackDown anymore, like like Gallows and Anderson or like, I don't know, uh, uh, just Rusev even, you know, somebody like a Nakamura who didn't get on SmackDown today. Uh, not to say that he would be on, you know, essentially a, a network show, but I feel like as using 205 Live as sort of like your place for, I mean, essentially like it was before as a main event or a jacked or a medal. Is that any different than, you know, the, the results you're seeing by having this extra show called 205 Live? It might be better. Yeah, it, it, it could be. Like, I think that there's, there comes a time when you just look at 205 Live that this current incarnation is just not going to get to the level that I think is expected. And, and maybe there's just I, I don't know. I don't know really what the answer is. Like we we saw how it did work. It's just not mm-hmm. it's not capturing that. I think the easiest would have just been you tape this much like NXT. You find one you tape once a month, mm-hmm. you do four episodes in a very small venue that is uh relatively inexpensive as compared to booking a major yeah. arena. And, and you, you do a, and you cycle fresh talent in cycle you can cycle in fresh talent. You're forced to book out at least a month's worth of storylines. So you have at least some storytelling in all of this that weaves it all together. And and then you throw it up. You can put it in the exact same time slot on the network, but you're not eating up that third hour and having this death audience that's watching these matches. It's like a dead crowd watching matches that don't get over for that reason. But that would be one change you could make anyway. Um Let's do one more here. Um, Saeed from Vancouver. Very fun episode. Safe to say SmackDown is now stacked with the call-ups and trades from Raw. Not sure how I feel about the big cast Daniel Bryan feud that's now starting. Do you believe WWE will change their mind and bring up Nikki Cross with Sanity after the online backlash? I was not aware there was online backlash uh, regarding Nikki Cross not being called up. Um, I don't think they will change their mind. I don't again, think, like I we, we kind of went over it. I, I don't think it's the worst thing either for Nikki Cross to come up at at a later time and not knowing what the plans are in NXT for her. Like they may have a great outline of a month's worth of programming for her down in NXT. Like there's a reason they want her uh, that they're not bringing her up or, and look at this roster again, like Nikki Cross. I think that it's not such a bad thing to be left in NXT. I mean, everyone wants to get to the main roster for, you know, to make the most you can, but the same time, let's let's remember the fact that we are also going into this new dual brand pay-per-view era for the company where it's going to be so hard. Like, look how many of these SmackDown performers way are not going to have pay-per-view spots. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah. Backlash show, when you f- figure in like title matches and you're not going to have all the titles defended on these shows, how many 
Brian and Cass have a match on there. It's like how many guys are not even going to have a match at Backlash mm-hmm. that are not going to necessitate the amount of television time then because you're not building to a pay-per-view match. So all of that goes into uh, the, the thought process here that I, I don't think the worst thing in the world that Nikki Cross is not the 21st person that's being added to SmackDown as opposed to uh, being someone featured on NXT for more months. All right. Um, that is the end of our reviews, but I quickly just want to uh, run through this because Variety reported on Tuesday that ESPN and Fox Sports are apparently working together um, to form a bid to go after the U- the UFC's television package, uh, which is up at the end of the year. And the way they break this down is that the incentive for ESPN is that they have just launched their streaming service, ESPN Plus, and they want to get programming on there that is going to be destination programming for people. And they feel that UFC would be content people would seek out to get the service. And they're citing that they would put as many as 15 fight night events on that platform and ESPN would be willing to pay between 120 and 180 million dollars and then on top of that Fox would be paying the UFC somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 million dollars so if you isolate those two it's not much of a big rights increase but you put them together and all of a sudden the UFC is pulling in anywhere from 320 to 380 million dollars a year which is a gigantic increase when you have two companies that are basically splitting the rights here. Um, So if this ends up being uh, the deal that they get, this is an enormous increase for the UFC. And what's their current deal? So their current deal, uh, they're in the last year of a seven year deal and there were escalators in the deal. So it's believed that Fox is paying around 120 this year. So you go from 120 for your U.S. package to 320 to 380 in that ballpark. That's enormous. Uh, Does this mean they have to do more shows? Well, it would mean – it states here that um, Fox's number of events would decline slightly. Um, So it would mean less events for Fox overall, but you are looking at up to 15 events – a year for ESPN plus. So when you subtract what you might be taking away from Fox, but the additions to ESPN plus, there's mm-hmm. probably a net positive there of more events. Um, and also not knowing how pay-per-views figure into this as well. Um, what this also is kind of um, a potential problem is that you have ESPN and Fox how are you going to divvy up these fight night cards? And one network wants this main event. Well, Fox wants that main event. It just seems like you have two competitors that are going to, how are you going to divide up fighters? Are you going to have fighters that are specific to each uh, outlet? Is it just going to be as usual where the UFC puts a fight night together? And then this one's earmarked for ESPN. This one's earmarked for Fox sports. There's complications when suddenly there's uh, multiple people at the table as opposed to dealing with just one uh, television outlet. But it could be an an enormous deal for the UFC. And on top of that, if the UFC is able to get this amount of of money for their rights, certainly it's the question of the WWE as well. Are they looking at splitting up Raw and SmackDown? If there's a similar appetite there where Fox is willing to spend money and Fox clearly has – a ton of money that's available after selling off most of their studio that they can go out and they could get WWE on top of this. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's very interesting. It's a it's a very big story to watch. So we have a story up on the site, so you can go check that out, uh, postwrestling.com. And, Way, what uh, shows do we have coming up over the next few days? Over the next few days, well, tomorrow, everybody, we have the next edition of the British Wrestling Experience. And while Martin is away on his North American vacation, we got Ollie and Benno taking you through the WWE UK's new sh- uh, set of shows taking place at the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, we also have them talking about the Rev Pro show in New Orleans, which John and I attended, featuring a lot of New Japan talent and headlined by uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tomohiro Ishii. The only man with the only name with two eyes. I'm happy to pronounce. <laughs> That's and uh, uh, what else have we got? Oh, Cassius Ono announced for Progress. That's right. He's going there for the uh, the Super Strong Style 16 tournament, which mm. I might actually sign up for the Progress service for that tournament. I'm free to say progress now instead of progress because I've asked Brits. Oh, they say okay. You could say both. Oh well, that's good. That's so, uh, uh, but uh, always very enjoyable listen uh to the uh, for the British wrestling experience and a great way to like catch up with a bunch of non WWE names and a bunch of like great wrestling that's around the world. Martin, Ollie, and Benno, they're some of the most knowledgeable guys uh, in, in wrestling podcasting, in my opinion. So uh, get a ton of great insight by subscribing to them and uh, catch a show every other week. Could you imagine had Kota Ibushi signed with WWE and he'd be on 205 Live right now? Or Zack Sabre Jr.? Oh, my God. Yeah, no. I They'd be on after SmackDown with all that talent, and then you'd have Kota Ibushi and Kenta Thing and Zack Sabre Jr. Say that, but like, look at where Ricochet is. You know, like you could. Some guys get. Look at where Finn Balor is. Some guys get slotted in one way, and then other guys get slotted in another. Um, so it's it's kind of hard to say, right? I think I think Ricochet is a. I think he's going to have a longer stay in NXT. I think the next, the big one is going to be Johnny Gargano yes. and where he gets put because there's no way he get he gets moved to two hundred five. Those two, no way. Um. I don't say no way. I, I would, I would hope that he doesn't go there. Those I was very two I, just main evented a takeover, and Johnny Gargano has had two of the the best. What many people consider the two best matches of the year. I don't. I don't see Triple H letting just that go. Like at Tommy is one thing, but Gargano and Ciampa, I don't. I don't see it. Hunter has a major role now on Two Hundred Five Live. Yeah, I know, but even he knows that. 205 Live is a bit of a death sentence for anybody who's there. You're you're not maximizing your investment by putting him on 205 Live. Uh, it's I don't know. It's a, when you're when you're kind of the the showrunner. I mean, I don't think you're viewing your show as a as a death sentence. That's not what you're I working think, towards. I think he is. I don't think he's dumb. Well, um, we will see. We will see. Maybe we'll live in a world where Johnny Gargano and Ricochet are on 205 Live. All right, that's going to wrap up the show, everybody. So once again, you can go to postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com is where you can sign up. We'll have that Andre the Giant review coming up on Friday with our good pal Pat LaProd joining us. And of course, our review of Impact Redemption on Sunday night with myself and Nate Milton will be up on the site as well. I also forgot Uh, to mention Up Next coming up on Thursday with uh, some announcements. So yes, it's not the end of the shakeup, not until the end of Up Next. Yeah. Maybe Johnny Gargano will be called up to up next. Oh. All right, that's it. That's all. Good night.